Live from the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, it's the St. Louis Realtor Podcast with your host, Adam Cruz. Welcome, welcome everybody to the St. Louis Realtor Podcast live from the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, Missouri. We're excited today for episode 33 and today's podcast is all about tax sales St. Louis City and St. Louis County tax sales. We have a few guests here. We have our Shannon St. Pierre, who's messing with her paper, and Joey's going to get mad at her. But uh, we've got Holly Laws. Both Shannon and Holly are our realtors. They're also investors. They're also city residents. And they've got a lot of good questions for our primary guest here, which is Dale Sweet, attorney at large. Is that true? Is that how you say that? I think it's law, but attorney at law. <laughs> attorney at Holly. Dale Sweet, attorney at law with the law offices of Jonathan Beck. And we brought Mr. Sweet in because you are the self-proclaimed. No, other people told me that you're the expert on tax sales. Well, there are a handful of us here in town who know a few things about this process. I don't pretend to be an expert at anything, Adam, but I'm delighted to be here with you. Well, thank you for coming. And you're you also put on like kind of seminars and stuff about tax sales, right? Sure. I mean, from time to time, I speak to real estate clubs and so on. And our office has a free seminar at least once a year on the subject. We had one in April about buying property in the city and planned one for around this time of year on buying property in St. Louis County for back taxes and just got too busy to get to it. But okay. we do that from time to time, sure. Okay. So I wanted to give a little intro because the listeners are probably wondering, if they are if they are a realtor listening, they're probably wondering... Why would a realtor podcast be talking about tax sales? Because there's no commissions involved in tax sales, right? If you buy a property at tax sale, you don't normally use a realtor. But I think it's important for our listeners to know that at Herman London, we believe fully in educating our realtors and in educating our clients about all aspects of real estate, whether it's stuff that we can do or whether it's stuff that we don't do. But we want to be able to talk about it if it's real estate related. And hopefully that if someone buys a property from tax sale, which we'll learn all about today, then maybe they'll update the property and either use us to help them sell it or to help them lease it or help them manage it. So, yeah, you don't use a realtor unless you're going to tell me I'm wrong, but you don't generally use a realtor to buy a property from tax sale. Right. But we still want to know all about it because we have clients and stuff that ask us. So when you can certainly advise your clients, Adam, about certain parts of town and uh, what they can expect in this particular neighborhood and so on. I mean, it may be uh, highly advantageous for a prospective tax sale purchaser to consult a realtor. Absolutely. Reach out to us and we can help you figure out what the property could be worth. Right. And maybe talk about the highest and best use of it. And after repair value, and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Okay, so if you don't mind, do you have do you have any uh, sort of intro about yourself that you'd like to say, or can we just jump in? We've got all sorts of questions. Well, we could jump in, but I mean, I have to tell you that that representing litigants with some role um, with regard to a tax sale is what I do for a living. But I can also tell you that it's sort of that I sort of have a political agenda oh. in demystifying the tax sale process in the city and our surrounding counties, so that more people are willing to get their feet wet and buy something for back taxes, and therefore uh, thereby improve our neighborhoods uh, when property languishes abandoned and so on for many years and people are uh, unwilling to bid on it because they don't understand the tax sale process the st. Louis region suffers okay and I appreciate it because let's see I think I've been in real estate for about 12 years and for at least 12 years my brother almost every time I see him says we should buy some properties at tax sale we should buy some properties at tax sale I'm like let's do it 
you know, research it, do something about it. And then the next time I see him, hey, we should really buy some properties at tax sale, you know. And then the other day, my electrician was telling me we should buy some properties at tax sale. So I'm going, someone's got to learn about this. And so here we are. And so I appreciate you being here. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, well, I'm just going to jump in if you guys don't mind. I know you have your list of questions, but let's just kind of give a little bit of the behind the scenes. What is a tax sale? How does a property even end up on this quote unquote tax sale? Of course. So uh, real estate taxes is a you know form of taxation, just sort of like sales tax or income tax, personal property tax, and so on. Uh, a property owner of real estate in Missouri never has any personal financial responsibility for having to pay the taxes. The legal fiction is that the property pays the taxes. And so if I don't pay my taxes for real estate, I can't get sued by the government the same way that I can if I don't pay my income tax and so on. My paychecks aren't garnished and, and so on. So in order to collect delinquent real estate taxes so that we can keep our library system, our school systems, our park system, our junior college and so on going, uh, the government has come up with a number of different systems to actually sell the real property or in some cases sell a lien on the real property in order to collect the back taxes to again keep the schools going and so on. So it's kind of like the building owns the, owes the taxes you're saying? Right. I mean, you know, so a lot of our laws in the United States of America come from England and so one one example is that in you know, agrarian England the thought was that a farm the farm itself paid the rents. Uh, by the crops that came from the ground and so on. So I guess the sort of corollary here is that the property is paying the taxes, not actually the the entity or the individual who owns the property. Okay. And so you mentioned, you know, when we were chatting before we started recording here, that there's a big difference between tax sales in the city and tax sales in the county. But I'm guessing it sort of all starts the same, right? Someone that owns a property stops paying their taxes or the building stops paying their taxes on their yeah. on themselves that's exactly right so in the state of missouri we have three different systems st louis city uses one most missouri counties use another and kansas city uses a third and you're correct of course adam the the process starts with the taxes being delinquent uh, all of the laws say that the taxes only need to be delinquent so in missouri our taxes are due on new year's eve on January 2nd, after the government reopens after the holiday, they could be suing and selling people's property. In practice, uh, the government generally waits for three years of tax delinquency before the process starts. Wow. And I say generally uh, because that's, you know, there are certainly exceptions. Okay, so someone doesn't, I'm, you know, you said the property pays their taxes, but for the Of course, it's someone. Yeah. So someone doesn't pay their taxes for three years. And eventually the property ends up on some list somewhere, right? And then it ends up at the tax sale. So can you tell us what, how do they end up on these lists and where, how do we find these properties? Sure. So this, this goes back to, I mean, mostly what we're going to be talking about today is the St. Louis metropolitan region and the Missouri side. Uh, Illinois uses a completely different system. And so in the city of St. Louis, when the taxes are three years delinquent, uh, so an example that might be for the tax years 2013, 2014, and 2015. During the calendar year of 2016, the collector of revenue for the city of St. Louis will sue the property. The style of the lawsuit is collector versus parcel of property, not collector versus taxpayer. Mm -hmm. And then if the taxes do not get paid following that court case, 
then the sheriff will sell the property the following year in 2017 to satisfy the judgment taken for the tax years 13, 14, and 15 during the calendar year 16. I know it sounds a little esoteric and so on. Uh, in St. Louis County and Jefferson County and Franklin County and uh, St. Charles County and so on, the taxes are simply three years delinquent, and then the following year the property is sold for the back taxes, or rather a liens on it, but we'll get to that. So in my example there, that would be, 14, 15, and 16 taxes don't get paid, and then the collector of revenue for St. Louis County will sell the property in 2017. Okay, so do do properties that end up on the tax sale because they haven't paid their tax in a few years, does that only on properties where they have no mortgage? So that's a, that's a good question. So most mortgage companies escrow tax payments and insurance in order to protect their security interest, the collateral that you know they they uh, they have as security for payment on the loan. Right. That's not always true, though. Some of the smaller banks, some owner finance deals, and so on, do not include a feature where taxes are escrowed. We also have situations, and this is probably like number thirteen on your list or something, is where um, a property was eligible for for foreclosure, but for some particular reason the bank has not foreclosed or in the alternative has not foreclosed and taken title to the property because they don't want to be responsible for building code violations or liability or condo dues or something like that. So there are absolutely cases of properties that sell for back taxes that are encumbered by a mortgage or other liens. That brings up a question, Dale. If they do have a mortgage, do does the tax lien supersede it? Is it in first position before the mortgage? The answer to your question, Holly, is yes. Uh, there's always room to litigate, or I wouldn't have a job. Uh, is is the is the further answer? But in general, the taxes are the are the highest priority. And so, when the collector has a lien that is foreclosed upon, everybody out down the chain is wiped out. This does invoke some constitutional principles, and it gets a little complicated from time to time. But but in general, the answer is yes. I think that's one thing that scares people off. Like me, I've been scared off by this before because I'm not clear if I go to the tax sale and I raise my paddle or whatever, and I and I'm the winning bidder. Am I paying that or am I paying some other question mark amount that I don't know what it is because they have all these other liens or debts or whatever? Right. Is that where you come in? Sure. So, I mean, there, there's two myths uh, that, that generally involve the tax sale. And like most myths, they're sometimes true. Uh, and, the, and the number one is, oh, if you buy a property for back taxes, you're going to be so sorry. You're going to have all these scary liens. You're going to wish you had never been born. The liens are just extraordinary. And uh, you'll be in bankruptcy court and just forget about it. Never do it. And so uh, in general, when a tax sale is handled properly by the government and by the purchaser and by the purchaser's attorney, in general, all liens are wiped out. With the exception of federal tax liens, and those can usually be taken care of uh, with success in a subsequent quiet title lawsuit, and I'm sure we'll get to what that is. Yeah, Holly had a bunch of questions about that, but you, you want to ask one now? Well, um, what people, I have investors that are interested in buying property at tax sales in the city because inventory, as you know, is really low. Um, what I have told them is they want to make sure that it's marketable title once they're done because I have a client, we're under contract on two vacant lots that were bought at tax sales by the seller 
12 years ago. So I've already contacted the title company to see if it's insurable once they build a $300,000 house on it. And they said that they are able to insure after two years. Um, but that brings up the quiet title suit because I always advise people if they're going to buy something like that, they need to at least investigate whether it's worth doing a quiet title suit so you clear have clear marketable title. Sure. So Holly, what you're what you're bringing up is a matter of title insurance underwriting standards as it meets law. And so as a matter of law, the title might be clear, but a title title company A or title insurance underwriter A might have a different opinion about that particular thing than might company B. Sort of like whether State Farm will insure your house with knob and tube wiring, but all state won't or, or vice versa. Well, you asked a question using the word quiet title, which I'd like to see if you guys can sort of define that for our listeners. Of course, Adam, a, a quiet title lawsuit is a specific lawsuit, um, you know, just like a landlord-tenant lawsuit or a breach of contract lawsuit, in which a plaintiff who has some connection to real estate asks a court to determine whether her title is better than anybody else's that she has named as a defendant in her lawsuit. So a quiet title can be used for a lot of different purposes, including squatters' rights and so on, uh, except that they're frequently used following a tax sale in order to shore up whatever deed flowed from the tax sale. So in the case of a tax sale, generally we have this thing called chain of title, right? Mm -hmm. Buyer sells to seller and seller sells to buyer and it just keeps on going. And all of the sellers in that chain of title have signed a deed to the property. In the case of a tax sale, when the property actually sells for a back tax amount, the deed is actually coming not from the taxpayer or the former owner of the property, but rather from the collector of revenue or from the sheriff. And because of that break in the chain of title, uh, title insurance companies are understandably apprehensive. And so Holly brings up the concept of a quiet title, which is a lawsuit following the tax sale in which the tax sale purchaser asks a court to declare that the title that she's gotten to this property, these vacant lots on which she wants to spend $300,000 you know, developing, uh, is better than anybody else's title that she's named in that lawsuit. So, so when, the, when the owner of that vacant lot who's purchased it for back taxes and wants to develop it uh, is ready to move forward, that tax sale purchaser might sue the delinquent taxpayer, not for money, uh, but just to ask a judge to judge the quality of title that the tax sale purchaser has. If there was a lien on the property from uh, a bank or a judgment creditor or something, um, then those entities would also be named as defendants in the lawsuit. And the the likely outcome of that lawsuit, there's never a guarantee, but the, the likely outcome of that lawsuit is that a court finds that the tax sale purchaser, through the foreclosure process, the priority of the real estate tax lien and so on, has better title than anybody else and everybody else is out of luck. I also know that a lot of people are frightened, like Adam said, because they don't know. They think, they hear, oh, you have to do a quiet title search, you've got to do this, and they think it's cost prohibitive. But it's my understanding from speaking with you, it's not that expensive to do a quiet title suit. They're, they're expense-heavy files. 
So we have to achieve service of process. You know, it's part of the due process guaranteed us by the United States Constitution. We actually have to send sheriff's deputies to find people in Florida and sometimes overseas. We have to spend money advertising in legal newspapers and special process servers and filing fees and publication fees and recording fees and so on. In general, however, following a St. Louis city or a St. Louis County tax sale, we can usually get a quiet title done in a matter of a few months. And for something, you know, in between a grand or two grand. So what I'm hearing is you don't do lots of title research on properties before you bid on them. You bid on it, you're the winner, and then you do all the research. That's generally the case, Adam. So when people say, well, how should I, you know, what should my diligence look like prior to the tax sale? And that's probably where you and your realtors come in. It's, it's figuring out what the, the after-improved value might be, uh, what it might be listed for, what the comps are like in the neighborhood, what other sales have been like in that zip code, what's the school district like, that sort of thing. And, uh, and then, you know, the, to the extent that someone can view the physical condition of the property, the physical condition of the property, and then and then let the, the title work, the liens, and so on be one of the things that we deal with following the tax sale. Okay. Well, if you're going to do that, that makes me feel like you're pretty confident that there's not going to be some major liens on it, right? I'm not going to buy a property for 10000 and then find out you owe eighty, right? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, and the the the, the eighty is that eighty thousand is that eight hundred thousand is it eighty dollars because it sort of doesn't matter, um, you know what? Assuming that everything happens correctly in the tax sale and so on, we should have a situation where that eighty is zero. Whether yeah. it's eighty thousand to zero, you mean? yes, where, 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 where the lien where the lien is extinguished okay. by the operation of law in the tax sale. Uh, sometimes it takes a little while for the lien holder to understand that and to come to grips with the fact that their security interest in the property has been extinguished. Uh, but but that's generally the case. Uh, this to me seems like a good time, if you don't mind, if we give out your phone number. Oh, of course. I mean, you want people to call you? Okay, so... You want to say it? You sure. Just give your contact so, information. So our, our office is in South St. Louis near Tower Grove Park on Magnolia Avenue. The telephone number is 314-772-2889. I also have a free email list okay. uh, that, that folks can get on. I don't spam people. It's only five or six messages a year, uh, usually when a tax sale is coming up and we want to you know, provide the list of things that the sheriff or the collector is about to sell. I also do some geocoded maps, so if there's a particular part of town that you're interested wow. in, you can scroll in and click through to Street View and so on. So they should call you or email you to get on that list? Sure. It's just it's just fine to call the office and spell your email address twice and ask to be put on the tax sale list, please. I think this is a good time to ask, too, how many times a year are there tax sales in the city and the county, and are they the same time every year. Sure. And we should probably shortly here talk about the differences between the city and the county systems. The city of St. Louis has five tax sales a year uh, and has for, say, the last 40 years. Uh, And those are in May, June, July, August, and October. Occasionally, the October sale is in late September, but it's almost always in October. So five tax sales a year in the city. We just had one last week, and there'll be another coming up the last week in August and and another in October. So we still have a little more time to uh, buy property in the city. In St. Louis County and the other surrounding Missouri counties, there is only one tax sale per year, and it always begins on the fourth Monday in August. This year, that's August 28th, I believe. But you can, 
not to get too deep here, but you can buy properties from the county outside of that sale, right? You can. Uh, so th- there's a few different things. So, so first off, in the city of St. Louis, uh, we don't have a right to redeem. And here in a minute, we're going to talk about, I'm sure, what is mm-hmm. a right to redeem. And that's the, that's the other scary myth. Uh, you know, the, the first one being that you take the property subject to all these terrible liens and are going to end up in bankruptcy court. Uh, the, the, second, the second myth is a right to redeem. There is no right to redeem. That is for the taxpayer to pay the taxes and take the property back from the tax sale purchaser. In there, the city. There's, in no, the, right there's no right to redeem in the city. And in certain circumstances, there is no right to redeem in St. Louis County. And that's what you were getting to there, Adam. Uh, the first or second time that the collector of revenue in our Missouri counties and not the city of St. Louis offers a property for sale, there's a one-year right to redeem. And we can play a little bit with the number. Sometimes it's actually a little bit longer than a one-year right to redeem. But anyway, uh, the third time that the collector of revenue sells a property in St. Louis County, there's a much shorter right to redeem, 90 to 135 days. And if the property hasn't sold in three consecutive tax sales in St. Louis County, St. Charles County, and so on, it is offered for sale at any time, not necessarily at the auction, uh, and without a right to redeem. So somebody didn't pay their taxes for three years, then the next year it goes up for tax sale, then for three more years it doesn't sell. Then you can go to the county and be like, hey, I want to buy this property that's probably been vacant for like six or seven years. It may or may not be. I mean, some of the properties are owner-occupied. Some of them are tenant-occupied, and the tenants are paying the rent, and the and the property owner isn't paying the taxes. Each one of these things is unique. There's, there's, there's very few commonalities when you actually get into the story. Well, let me kind of ask you a little bit about the condition of the properties and if you get to go look at it, because a year or so ago, I was, you know, interested in tax sales and I looked it up and I went around and looked at a couple of properties that were near me, just like drove by them. And one of them looked totally vacant for, for sure. And the other one, there was definitely a family in there like hanging out, you know, you could hear them. I, I don't know if they're having a party or playing board games or something like that, but I'm like, I'm considering buying this property tomorrow at tax sales. So... A, what are we going to do with these people? But can we, do we get to see the condition ever? Or, and um, do you guys like evict the people or how would that even work? Sure, yeah. So it's, it's totally two different questions right. and two very good questions, Adam. So the, the first one is how do I inspect these properties? And what we're dealing with here is land tax sales. So the, what the government is selling you is land. And if there's a pile of gold bricks on it or a cash-flowing rental property or uh, a pile of garbage bags or, um, you know, asbestos. That's free with the land. You, you get that free with the land, and uh, with, with very few exceptions. And so these are buyer beware situations where, you know, if the outside of the property is an extraordinary condition but the inside is a complete disaster, yeah, you're getting the complete disaster. Uh, on the other end, there is no way to check out the keys or go take a look at it or whatever. Some tax sale purchasers go around and people in windows and knock on doors and are friendly and introduce themselves and bring cookies and whatever else and you know and and say listen uh, you know I don't know if you've heard the 
this? Do you live here? Does you know the property's going up for back taxes next week? It's conceivable that I could become your new landlord. You know, and and each there's there's absolutely no reason why the person answering the door would need to admit that prospective tax sale purchaser to inspect the condition of the property, but they might. So that's why the cookies just to be friendly with them and hey, I might be your new landlord. Yeah. And I mean some of these properties are owner occupied. Rent's and, going up. Right. Or or not. I mean there there are real success stories. Because your next question is, well, there are these occupants there and I don't know who they are and I don't want to be in a sticky situation where I've bought a property and there's somebody in there and they might not like me or whatever. Uh, many of our clients at the office who buy property for back taxes are successful in making the occupants um, their tenants. Hmm. Uh, and so sometimes that's a delinquent taxpayer. Sometimes there are situations, you asked the question earlier about, uh, about whether the taxes are escrowed in a mortgage payment. There are people who make their mortgage payment faithfully for years. And then when the house is paid off, just don't have the chunk of change at the end of the year to pay the taxes. Uh, don't have the money for, you know, for maintenance, water heater replacement, roof replacement, and so on, and uh, and sometimes those are uh, those are very good tenants to have, uh, even though they used to be owner occupants in the same property. Again, every situation is unique. Uh, when when tax sale purchasers plan to do a full renovation and resell and simply can't have anyone living there during the time that they're renovating and so on, cash for keys is always a desirable humanitarian option uh, where where folks have a little extra money to put down a security deposit on a new place and are generally more likely to leave the leave the dwelling uh, more quickly and leave the dwelling in better condition. Cash for leave. keys, meaning they give... Sorry, you can go ahead and ask it, Shannon. Yeah, so that begs the question, then, if they are uh, not an owner-occupant, but at, rather a tenant, they did put down a deposit when they signed that lease, and now it's being... So they are technically out that deposit, and are you legally responsible for giving back a deposit of whatever they gave because Missouri and tenant rights? Yeah, that's a good question, Shannon. And again, every situation is unique. Uh, what we should expect, unlike the situation where you buy a property on the open market from the landlord and you exchange security deposits at closing and so on here, we're probably more likely to be dealing with a situation where there either either is not a lease is not a security there is not a security deposit i've encountered no uh case law that suggests that a tax sale purchaser is responsible to her tenant that she has inherited for a security deposit that that tenant has paid the former owner of the property it it, it is very there are some very sad situations so they're just out that deposit if it goes to tax sale. They have to look to their former landlord for the for the return of that security deposit, and I'm not you thinking that. Yes. yes. But also, if they don't want to leave, do, do you as the new owner have to do a formal eviction? In the city of St. Louis, and we're going to get to a lot of the differences between St. Louis City and St. Louis County if we have time, but in the city, uh, an occupant who will not go and who can't be talked into signing a new lease and cannot, will not accept cash for keys and so on can be removed through the tax sale process without, using an, without filing an additional landlord-tenant lawsuit in order to remove that tenant. And you say through the tax sale process, meaning I buy the property, I'm going to call you anyway because I want you to check out my title, you can also remove them through the 
Yeah. It's kind of like a tax sale eviction, basically. Yeah, the, the, the first thing I'm going to say, if you tried cash for keys, have you mm-hmm. tried to negotiate a lease with this uh, with these folks and so on? And then when all else fails, then you send me back to court, Adam, for a second time. I go to court one time to get the, the sale confirmed, that is to get a judge's seal of approval, that the sale conducted by the sheriff at which you were the successful bidder was all just so and meets the meets the standard and uh, and and we get a and we get a signature from a judge on that and then when your occupants uh, refuse to budge and you do need an eviction uh, then you send me back to court a second time okay so for clarification purposes you come in this into this process after we've acquired an actual property for sure. the tax sale sure. you come in before but rather yeah. after Yes and no. So uh, before we get to that, though, Shannon, which is a very good question, um, in St. Louis County, there is no setup that's, that's, you know, it's not a court-related proceeding until we get to the quiet title. And so if there is a tenant or an occupant of the property who needs to be removed in St. Louis County, we do need either a component of the quiet title lawsuits that Holly was asking about, uh, or we need a separate landlord-tenant lawsuit to remove the occupant. But your question, Shannon, goes to uh, at what point in the process do I get involved? And the answer is generally an attorney who practices in this area works for and is hired by the tax sale purchaser after she's been the successful bidder at the auction. Uh, however, uh, as the tax sale um, you know approaches and people are reading the emails and seeing the newspaper ads and looking on the government's website and whatever, frequently people will call the office with you know five minute questions that are like some of the questions that you all are asking today. Smart questions. What do I do if there are people there? What about the liens and so on? And we try to just you know give them general advice. I mean, this is a, probably a good point to say that uh, you know I'm just talking generally about the process here and not providing specific legal advice for any particular situation also could you touch on and i know it's probably different in the city and county um when you go to a tax sale do you i know you either have to pay cash or cashier what are the modes of pay payment of course and and then how soon do you have to come up with it too yeah it's the same day uh, so, so someone who's bidding on a tax sale property does not want to bid beyond the amount of liquid cash that they can come up with that day or risks being banned from future sales uh, and sometimes even being uh, the subject of a collection action by the government because the property sold again to somebody else for even less then they bid and weren't able to pay. So the, does it have to be cash? Sure. So c- cash is, is always king. Cashier's check is usually faster. Just from the you know waiting in line in a hot hallway in a government building, do I want to be carrying all this cash? Do I want to wait while they count it? Oh, wait, turn that $20 bill over again, and now we have to use the counterfeit pen and so on. But uh, cash... Uh, cashiers checks or money order are the accepted forms of payment so you come to the auction you bid if you win anything you rush out to the bank get a cashier's check and come back that's right I mean some people bring a bankroll in there you know with a rubber band around it and their you know bag or pocket or whatever backpack uh, and other people just just go to the bank get a cashier's check and come back it depends on the jurisdiction in st. Louis City st. Louis County and the other counties and so on by what time that payment has to be made but it's always promptly the same day and the county's the same they'll take cash or cashers yeah well one of the first questions i had on my list is how to find these properties and i think you answered it which is hey get on my email list right (laughs) 
And I, I'm thinking that that might be the best way, easier than because otherwise you have to get subscription to some weird newspaper or something, right? Sure. So these things are generally listed in a legal newspaper, as you point out, and usually the only people who read those legal newspapers are Citibank and lawyers, mm-hmm. you know. And that's a Citibank joke, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so at the you know now that we're in the internet age, the the government lists things on the websites, uh, and so that's stlouisco.com, and uh, in the city just. Google St. Louis City Sheriff land tax sale, and you'll find the lists for the properties. And um, and they are in the newspaper. They are on my email list. Uh, in some of the rural counties, uh, they are not on websites, but rather in the local newspaper, the weekly newspaper that comes out in, you know, Potosi or wherever. You just it might ask be. Andy Griffith. Where, mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Uh, I've been to one of your seminars, and I would recommend it highly if you're very interested in this. Um, I would like you to touch on something that you had told us that I think people are kind of naive about. They're listed by parcel number, and you have to make sure that the parcel number is the actual building you want because people will go and bid on something and think they're bidding on a house when really it's just a mm-hmm. triangle of a lot and there's mm-hmm. no house on it. Sure. So I'm in a I'm in a room with experienced real estate professionals who are aware that the street address for a property can sometimes be misleading. And it has nothing to do with a tax sale. It just is, you know. I mean, if I'm buying a condo, is that unit 503? Does that include parking space 6 and so on? And that all gets to the legal description of the property, which is block 16 in, you know, lot 16 in block 4 of Bob's addition to Old Town St. Charles, blah, 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 right? And so in order to simplify matters, when the government is selling a property for back taxes, they assign a number to it. In St. Louis County, we have a thing called the locator number. That's two digits followed by a letter, followed by six more digits. They generally correspond to school districts and areas within St. Louis County and so on. And those are the numbers that the St. Louis County Collector of Revenue will use in order to sell the property. The the listing and the TV monitors at the tax sale will also have the street address for the property. But as you correctly point out, Holly, that can be misleading. Sometimes it says 1234 Main Street. It doesn't say 1234 Main Street, condo unit 405. Sometimes we have four family flats that have been condoed years ago. And so what's actually selling is unit one west and not the whole building. Sometimes there are errors made in deeds and legal descriptions that result in small odd lot parcels being cut off from a larger development and so on. The taxes don't get paid on those and they sell. And what you're buying is not the occupied functioning building that you see from the street, but the triangular parcel out back by the dumpster. In the city of St. Louis, the sheriff and the collector and the court assign a number. It's not the parcel number that otherwise appears on the government's website, but is actually a brand new number assigned for purposes of the tax sale. And when you go to the tax sale in the city, that's the only number that's called out by the auctioneer. So if you're there for one property and one property alone, and that's 1234 Main Street, that beautiful high rise at Main Street, uh, you have to know the special number in order to know when to cast your bid. And is that on your list? It gives you the number? Yes, of course. With the... I, that brings another question. I'm sorry, this might be a little off the beaten path, but because I'm particularly interested in city properties and we do a lot with developers in the city, how does that Moda Own thing affect 
tax sales because that's also property that's delinquent. So say somebody lives there and they start mowing that lot. Does the sheriff take that off the rolls so you don't go and say, hey, I just bought this at a tax sale and somebody else thinks they have rights to it? Sure. So the, the Mow to Own program is for properties that are already in the LRA. So now, what's the LRA? The Land Reutilization Authority is a creature of state statute. It's a state agency run by the city, and it is the property owner of last resort. LRA can take title to property in several different ways, but chief among them is nobody bought it for back taxes. So we don't have to worry about the sheriff taking it off the rolls and not selling it if you've been busy over there weeding and mowing and, and, and keeping it up because it already didn't sell for back taxes. And it's now under the auspices of the LRA and is eligible for purchase and so on. But if you don't want to buy it and would rather mow it and you live adjacent and certain things and it's been in the LRA, for a number of years and various exceptions, then it can be yours for mowing after you sign a formal mow agreement and so on. But that, that's actually stuff that didn't sell for back taxes in the past, in most cases. Okay, I got a couple of simple questions to ask if you guys don't mind. Um, who is allowed to bid? In the city of St. Louis, anybody can bid. Okay, so uh, my brother thought you had to have proof that you had paid the taxes on your house already or something like that. In the city of St. Louis, you can be a delinquent taxpayer and buy property for back taxes. In the city of St. Louis, you can drop in on a plane from California and cast a bid and walk right out. And you can have your LLC from Delaware or Nevada or wherever you want it to be from and buy property in the city of St. Louis. Oh, you Louis. can bid as an LLC? You can. Okay. Uh, now, in, in St. Louis County and the other Missouri counties, the city is its own thing, you know, uh, in, in the Missouri counties, you have to, number one, be from Missouri. So that means an Illinois resident needs to appoint a Missouri resident to be their agent for service of process, kind of like a registered agent for a corporation or a limited liability company. And when an entity, uh, a, you know, an organized organization, a corporation, a limited liability company, or otherwise a nonprofit uh, bids on property in the Missouri counties, it needs to be registered with the Missouri Secretary of State. And in the Missouri counties, one cannot bid to um, buy property for back taxes when he is delinquent on his own property that he already owns. Okay. We're buying city. Yeah, you got to love the city. <laughs> it's just a completely different system. And then, I really like the system, city system better. But. And then how do they decide, either the city or the county or whoever, how do they decide what the opening bid amount is? Sure. In the, in the city of St. Louis, it's generally three years of back taxes, plus the penalties, plus the interest, plus a title search fee, plus a publication fee, and plus the collector's attorney's fee. You know, the attorney always needs to get paid. Mm -hmm. Sure. Right. So is there like a minimum amount that you've seen things bid? Sure. I mean, sometimes you see a vacant lot go in the city for $735. Okay. Not usually a whole lot less than that. Uh, and, then, and then sometimes you see opening bids for a commercial property, you know, in the $20,000, $30,000 range. Uh, or, you know, right. 
In St. Louis County uh, and the other Missouri counties, the opening bid amount is, again, usually about three years of back taxes uh, and the penalties and interest, but without all those other add-ons because the process is sort of reversed in the county. We touched on a moment ago the right of redemption that occurs, that exists in most cases in St. Louis County, St. Charles County, and so on. Uh, but but also the certain notices that make these tax sales constitutional or closer to constitutional occur in St. Louis County because the purchaser does them, not because the government does them in advance. And so in the city of St. Louis, the government takes care of many of those notices for the tax sale purchaser prior to the tax sale. So the there aren't a lot of add-on fees to that opening bid amount in St. Louis County because the fees haven't actually, the expenses haven't been incurred yet, but will be by the purchaser later on. Not that I want them to, but why don't they try to like somehow figure out somewhere near what the property is worth and start it for that? They're just assuming people will bid it up to whatever it's worth? Sure. So the government has a right to take our property and sell it to pay the back taxes in order to keep the schools open and keep the books on the library shelves and keep the junior college open and feed the penguins at the St. Louis Zoo. The government doesn't have a right to make a profit when it takes our property and sells it to pay the back taxes. So the the opening bid amount will almost always be the amount of back taxes. And then the next question I think that you're getting to, Adam, is what happens to that extra money and, and do these things sell for fair market value at the tax sale, right? Yeah, I'd love to ask you those questions. Yeah, so, I mean, in general, unless there's a bidding war, a hotly contested bidding war between multiple bidders, uh, a property at a tax sale goes for significantly less than its fair market value. Now, it, it's also possible that there are people there who hate one another and rival developers and, you know, childhood enemies who who uh, who bid it up way beyond what its actual value is just to make sure that their enemy doesn't get it or rival or competitor. But but in general, it goes for much less. And I've heard of people like bidding just so that the, the newbie doesn't win anything right there's like the old boys club that are bidding stuff up have you seen anything like uh, that? well i mean you you everything's unusual i mean you see things that are unique all the time but i mean i think in general people are pretty good sports and whatever i i i'm sure that there are there are times when a bidder um is bidding something up but remember that that the the other guy might drop out any time and then right. you're stuck with it for that high bid yeah. so i think it happens a little less than it does in stories and rumors and anecdotes right because then you just paid thousands extra to prove to this guy that he shouldn't come back basically right um in the county because of the redemption period um let's say you buy something and you're responsible then for mowing the grass say you bought a vacant house okay mm -hmm then what happens if within that redemption period the delinquent tax um, payer comes back and redeems it what happens to you you're just out your maintenance money but you get your bid money back plus anything else sure and so the the tax sale purchaser in st louis county and the other adjoining missouri counties in most circumstances on a first second or third offering tax sale is merely buying a lien on the real estate so no more than the mortgage company or the judgment creditor is required to mow the grass is the tax sale purchaser required to mow the grass you will not get a 
notice from the from the municipality or from St. Louis County saying that the the grass is unmowed or the high grass and weeds or the downspouts got peeling paint or anything on your St. Louis County tax sale purchase until after the redemption period has expired and you have completed certain steps and gotten a deed to the property. It's only at that point that your name is associated on the website, the assessor's records and so on with that property. So while it's certainly, it, it can be advisable in the case of the vacant property you mentioned, Holly, to board up a basement window where people have been getting in or keep the weeds knocked down uh, just because it's the right thing to do. You're under no requirement to do so other than perhaps as a way of protecting your investment because you might end up with that real estate. This is the trouble with the right of redemption, right? I mean, it, it, we, the tax sale purchaser has basically paid the taxes for the taxpayer, and the taxpayer has a period of time, usually a year on a first or second offering in St. Louis County, to, to pay the purchaser back and therefore retain, not regain, title to her property. That's really interesting. This is like sort of like the dark web of real estate, right? Because... There could be all these properties out there sitting vacant, the grass is up to your knees, and there's some other investor guy driving around writing down the addresses because he's looking for properties with deferred maintenance, and he's mailing, and I guess he's just mailing to the old owner who's like, what are you doing? I don't even own that property. Yeah. But there's some guy sitting there, a person that's sitting there that owns this place. That's so really interesting. But so uh, my second part of the question, do you, if they do redeem it and you lose it, you get your money back, but do you get any, I thought. You get 10% back yeah, or something? Yeah, you get something back. Right, so you get, so when redemption occurs, you get 8% on the back tax amount that you bid in order to purchase it. And then you get 10% on any subsequent taxes that you've paid during the time that you have the lien on the property. So, you know, if you buy the property in August and then you pay the taxes in December, that's an 8% on the first amount, 10% on the next amount. You're also able to be reimbursed if redemption occurs for certain expenses. Uh, lawn mowing is not one of them. Uh, they are expenses that are incurred by the tax sale purchaser to comply with the law. So the postage that goes on a notice that the law requires, a title search, that the, that the law requires the purchaser get in order to figure out to whom to send those redemption notices and so on. Those are reimbursable expenses. Since we talked just a moment ago about bidding things up and, and high prices at tax sales when those things occur, the overage that the tax sale purchaser has bid on the property above and beyond what the opening bid amount was yeah. is, is not subject to any interest. Oh, wow. So the, the interest simply applies to you have sort of, by purchasing a tax lien at a St. Louis County or other Missouri County tax sale, you have sort of lent the taxpayer the money, uh, which carries a statutory interest rate, right? Um, and and it and it can and if redemption occurs, that is, if the taxpayer or anyone else pays the tax, redeems the property by paying the back tax amount, the subsequent taxes that you paid in December or December, whatever, and the and the expenses that you've incurred, you get back that overbid amount of money, and the property stays with the taxpayer, but you don't get interest on that extra money that you might have been able to, you know, put and is your... is it the person who redeems it their responsibility to pay that, uh, the 10% the or... Yes. 
So in the just so make sure I'm understanding in the county, I go to the tax sale, I bid, I pay that day, but I don't necessarily technically quote unquote own the property for at least a year. On a first or second offering tax sale, so that means this is the first time in the in this particular property's delinquency uh, that the collector has offered it for sale. Uh, there's a one year right of redemption. Uh, if it's the second time that the collector has offered it, so that is nobody bid, bid on it this August. Year, yeah. yeah, and so then they offer it again the following August. There's also a one year right to redeem. Third year, a 90 to 135 day right to redeem. Okay, but then in a city, if I buy a property, I pay the money that day. I technically own it that day. I just hire you then to find out if I owe more. Well, or- no, there's a process. And so, so what, the, what we use in the counties is an administrative system. It, the, the property has never been in court. Uh, there has been no lawsuit. Uh, the collector sells you the property, and the collector's clerk hands you a deed across the counter. Uh, and then you sue to quiet title, which is what Holly was asking about earlier. In the city of St. Louis, there's already been a judgment taken against the property, and the sheriff is selling it to satisfy that judgment to the collector of revenue. And so once you buy a property in the city, you have a receipt, and it says that you've purchased the property, and there is no right to redeem. However, the tax sale purchaser needs to go to court in order to get a judge's signature that everything was kosher, acceptable, satisfactory okay. with mm-hmm. the sale. And only when the judge says that you own the property, then you do. That's okay. usually a few weeks after the tax sale. So there's sort of a little month, five week, six week limbo between the time that a person buys property for back taxes in the city before she actually really owns it and can get in there and you know and has a court order saying that she owns it. Is that an interesting day at court or is that a boring day? They're just like, next, yep, next, yep. The answer is yes. Um, well, sometimes, it's sometimes, sometimes it's very interesting. And, uh, and sometimes it's not at all. It, it's actually, while it's often sad, it's also kind of fun to watch a trial on a tax sale property in the city and, and see the, the differing interests of the tax sale purchaser, maybe the lender, um, who's who's being cut off by the tax sale and the delinquent taxpayer or the delinquent taxpayer's heirs. Uh, you know, uh, frequently um, deceased people aren't very good about paying their bills. They, so so we, we see a lot of times that the, the property of the deceased is sold for back taxes. And it's sometimes, you know, everybody's been scurrying around talking to their brothers and sisters and figuring out who's going to take care of mom's stuff and then bam. We didn't know mom was behind on her taxes. And so that, that can all be a sort of a, an interesting day in court when all of those various parties with a different interest in one property and their legal representatives are sort of duking it out, if you will. Most of the time, though, Adam, those Thursday afternoons downtown are sort of humdrum and one case after another, and we just replace the address and the names yeah. and so on. So I was picturing... So going back to that example, in that heirs example, have you seen, and is it common for heirs in that case and scenario to get the property back? Yes and no. I mean, most of the time the law is on the tax sale purchaser's side. Now, um, and and this this, this is an interesting area of law. 
um, because, uh, because of the United States Constitution. I mentioned it a couple of times earlier, but the Fifth Amendment to our Constitution gives us lots of rights. It's the, you don't have to testify against yourself in court, right? Plead the Fifth, you know? Uh, double jeopardy. It's not just a thing on a game show, but it's when the government charges you and tries you for the same crime more than once. They can't do that, right? Uh, also, the, the Fifth Amendment says that the government can't take away our property without due process of law. And so due process of law is an ever-evolving area of law. And the United States Supreme Court and our states, that's states plural, Supreme Courts, um, issue new rulings on what exactly due process of law means from time to time. So the, the question in your heirs um, example, Shannon, is if the government knows that the taxpayer is deceased, and there's a probate court estate that, that sets out the heirs, then does the government have a duty to notify those heirs of mom's property going up for back taxes? I don't know if we know the answer to that question. Um, Wouldn't they argue and say, well, we did notice them, but we put it in public record and put it in this newspaper. Right. and, and They the, should have been reading the Watchmen or whatever it's called. And the sheriff is also going to say that we went over there and we posted a notice on the door. And if people really care about their property, sometimes they go there. And everything's on the internet now. You can go and see if taxes are delinquent or not in the city or county. I do it all the time. And why aren't they on Dale's email? You know what I mean? They should be getting his email list. Oh, I do. This has my back to my one question, though. So because this is actually happening right now. So my people that are buying those lots that were bought at a share, with a sheriff's deed, but this was 12 years ago. How is that going to be conveyed to them? Is it going to be a warranty deed, a special warranty deed? I mean, the guy selling it to them is a real estate agent. I don't even know. Yeah, so in the city of St. Louis, in general, we don't need a quiet title lawsuit following a tax sale purchase. Uh, why? Because it's a, a judicial system. So we talked about in St. Louis County, it's an administrative system. The collector's clerk is handing you a deed. In the city of St. Louis, a judge has touched the title to the property at least three times by the time you get that sheriff's deed. In fact, the judge signs the sheriff's deed. Uh, and anybody who has ever been through a divorce or a probate court matter knows that a circuit court judge in the state of Missouri can absolutely affect the title to real estate, whether you want him or her to or not, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say, number one, that the owners of those vacant lots, assuming that the government did all the right things prior to the tax sale, and the tax sale purchaser did all the right things 12 years ago after buying that property for back taxes, assuming both of those things are true, I would argue strongly that the tax sale purchaser has excellent title to the property, especially now that more than 10 years have passed right. because of the statute of limitations on an adverse possession matter. Again, I'm getting a little legal terminology there, but I, I would argue that they have very good title. And, and I would also argue that there, I would suggest that there are probably numerous title companies in town that would insure to the buyer. And so as long as there's going to be uh, title insurance to the buyer, I think that's probably going to look like a special warranty deed or a warranty deed. Okay, because the title company did say they, uh, a few of the underwriters have just shortened the time period. Um, they used to go back as far as 20 years, and now it's 16, but they even have one that will insure after two. Sure. So 
Um, there are a couple of ti- there's a, there's two or three title companies in town that are that are comfortable with tax sale properties and some that are very much uncomfortable. So again we go back to my example about the knob and tube wiring or the 25-year-old who had a DUI. Is this person insurable? Well, the law says that they can drive and the law says that the uh, and the law says that the electrical wiring is just fine and does not need to be replaced, but that doesn't mean that somebody's going to insure it, right? And so uh, a quiet title lawsuit will usually uh, fix problems, whether it's necessary or not as a matter of law, in order to induce an insurance underwriter to issue a policy. The, the thing about tax sales is that they're done differently all over the place. And so while we might sit here and say that the system that we use in the city of St. Louis is safe and relatively risk-free, and good for the purchaser, and so on. Uh, we also know that there are only a handful of title insurance underwriters, and they have a national focus. Uh, they're not interested in, in doing the research on one particular municipality in one particular state. They just hear tax sale and say, oh, well, you know. Um, but, but there are others who have you know, developed that as a little bit of a boutique or niche business. So if we have clients that are specifically interested in this, it would be good advice to tell them when you're budgeting for the re renovation or the redevelopment look into a quiet title suit to be on the safe side absolutely so if a if if one of your clients contacts you holly and says i'd, I'd like to sell my property uh, and, you know, among the things that you might have on a mental questionnaire or whatever, if the circumstances present themselves is, did you buy this for back taxes? Or did your brother-in-law buy this for back taxes before he deeded it to you? And so on. And, and when those circumstances present themselves, you might counsel your client or direct them to legal counsel in order to discuss whether a quiet title is helpful or necessary. Uh, and in general, um, selling, buying property for back taxes is never as risky as people scare you into believing that it is. But it's hardly without risk. And so a, a savvy purchaser of property for back taxes is always going to be thinking quiet title, uh, thinking and budgeting both the time and, as you correctly mentioned, at the money uh, in order to invest in that lawsuit, in that litigation, in order to shore up their title for the eventuality uh, that they turn around and sell it to someone else after they've got their quartz counters in there and so on. Holly, did you write that down on every listing appointment from now on? We have to ask the seller if their brother-in-law bought the property at tax sale. Is that right? Yeah, circumstances. If the circumstances <laughs> look like it, vacant lots and so on, right? Maybe, and maybe not. say call Dale Sweet at this number? 314-772-2889. Well, that, that's the number at the office, Adam. Thanks again for that. But, uh, you know, there, there, are, uh, there are real estate, just as there are, you know, uh, real estate professionals who do various, you know, have various specialties and so on, so too are there real estate attorneys who focus their practice in this sort of thing. Uh, you know, I, I might be the condo attorney, except that I'm not. Uh, you know, right? So, so you know, there are a handful of us here in town who are, who are conversational about the law and uh, the, whether a quiet title is necessary and so on. Shannon, did you get all your questions answered on your list over there? Yeah, so... Kind of to wrap it up, what is the biggest mistake you see people make and what is that's maybe preventable or what's the one piece of advice you'd give someone 
that's never done it before. Sure. Well, a, a couple things. Um, you know, figuring out when in the process is a good time to insure, right? Um, just in case something happens, am I going to lose out on my investment and you so mean on? Homeowners insurance. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, ask your insurance agent when is the right time to do this, and when will a claim be paid out? Do I have to wait until I actually have? A deed to the property can I insure it during the lien period and and so on right and then the other thing is just the general thing that people the mistake that people make uh, when they buy real estate in general and that's not actually doing their budget or checking out the neighborhood conditions or figuring out what a new roof costs and so on I mean these days as you good folks know there are people with drones who will come out and inspect the chimneys and inspect the roof and so on you don't even have to throw a ladder against the side of a house to, to check out those things uh, talk to the neighbors go to the neighborhood association meeting call the alderman or uh, call the call the city clerk in the municipality and ask questions uh, find figure out who the subdivision trustee is and 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 just and do your homework on the property not because you're going to buy it for back taxes but because you want to protect your investment or you want to be comfortable there with your family if you choose to occupy it or open your business there or whatever i guess i just want to ask kind of one last question and, and related to what you just said because i think everything you just said makes sense right you need to do all your homework on these properties but it seems what from my experience was i did all my homework on these properties and then i go there the next day and oh oh sorry that one's off the list Right. So what, why are they coming off the list at the last minute? So the government isn't in the business of taking people's property away from them. Uh, and, and they do so as a last resort when they're trying to keep the school district going and so mm -hmm. on. So it's always possible for an interested party. And, and I say interested party instead of a taxpayer because sometimes that's the lender in order to protect their security interest. But it's always possible for someone... Uh, to pay the taxes up until the time of the sale and prevent the sale. Uh, and so in the city of St. Louis, the taxes can get paid up until the time that the sheriff's deputy auctions off the property. Uh, so, you know, if the sale starts at 9 o'clock, you can be in line at the collector's office paying your taxes at 8.30. And then it will absolutely come off the list. So do you ever see someone show up instead with cookies, show up and say, hey, you owe 5000 in taxes. How about I give you 8000 and we'll get this thing? Because right. you know it's going to be bid up tomorrow. Right. The The problem with that is that that, that sometimes works. And, and smart folks in the real estate business, such as yourself, Adam, are, are frequently thinking that there's got to be a way that this can work. And the reality is that sometimes that's exactly how it could work. Someone's simply delinquent on their taxes. In general, however, when people are, and, and this is again a, a, a total generality, but when people are delinquent on their taxes, they're also delinquent on other bills. Uh, the Department of Revenue has a lien. The IRS has a lien. The sewer district has uh -oh. a lien. Uh, the, there, is a, there is a mortgage that uh, hasn't been paid in some time that's lost in the paperwork shuffle and the robo-signing. And, and the point of all of that, or any combination of that, is to say that this folks, th these folks that you're knocking on the door with the cookies probably can't convey good title. So your, your $8,000 isn't going to get you much other than a mess by the time you get to the title commitment stage in the, in the process. So if I do that, 
deal, then when I go to call you afterwards, you don't have the power to get rid of all those liens like you would have if I would have gone through the tax sale. That's exactly right. So we're back to Holly's question earlier. What was the priority of the tax lien? The number one priority, right? So it, it was through the operation of the tax sale that these other things may probably were extinguished. Okay. Uh, and, and so it's at that point. Now, there, there are absolutely situations with, you know, retirees who owned a vacant lot that they played around with and so on. They were thinking about doing something with sometimes and sometime. And now they're in a nursing home and it just sort of slipped their mind. They haven't been out there in a long time. They were going to give it to the grandkid or whatever else. And those kinds of situations, what you described my work. You can find that guy uh, and and say, you know, can I give you a little bit of sugar for this on top of paying your taxes? And, and you know, and, and we're going to get over there and build the treehouse and the stuff that you were planning on doing. And, and, and that absolutely could work. In general, it doesn't. Okay. All right. Any questions? We should probably wrap this up. I, I do have five questions that I like to ask every guest, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, so... These they're a little bit personal though, so I hope you don't mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, who lives under your roof? Another human being and three cats. Okay, um, good answer. Where are you your best? Well, I wish I could say it was in the courtroom, but I mean, maybe it's I I don't know. Uh, karaoke. Really? Ooh. What's your song? I, I I do goodbye Earl. Bye Earl. Oh, goodbye, goodbye Earl. Earl. Oh, goodbye Earl. Okay. I do I'll Tom t- Jones too. <gasps> Do you have a favorite blog or podcast? I, I like the St. Louis Realtors podcast. Oh, really? I've heard that's good. Yeah. No, I mean, I also I also look at these uh, Urban Explorer websites, okay. you know, vacant buildings yeah. and, and stuff threatened with demolition mm-hmm. and, and so on. I find those fascinating. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Why, why did I word that differently for you? I always say, what's your guilty pleasure? Assuming that you do. Everyone's got one. Yeah. Chocolate from the freezer and whole milk. Okay. And who is your mentor and how have you thanked them? Well, you know, my sixth grade teacher said one time that interpersonal relationships are the only reason to stay alive. And when we're in the real estate business, as you folks are, or in the podcast production business, or in the legal business, we're dealing with interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I ran into that sixth grade teacher somewhat recently and I did thank her. That's very nice. Okay. Uh, any any follow-up? Thank you to all of our guests today, Shannon St. Pierre, Holly Laws, and Dale Sweet with the Law Offices of Jonathan P. Beck. Thank you to our producer, Joey Vasovich, and take care. Bye.